Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Cassandra. Welcome to Midday Magazine for Monday, January 23rd. The Petersburg Indian Association re-elected President Christina Chris Morrison during the tribe's annual election last week, January 17th. Morrison is a lifelong Petersburg resident. She spent only two years living off the island when she was in college. She and her husband have operated three family businesses in the borough for over 25 years. Morrison joined the tribal council in 2017, where she served until she became president in 2019. This year, she ran unopposed and won a one-year term with 15 votes. Voters also re-elected two tribal council members. Jacqueline Lyons-Eide and Joseph Stewart both ran unopposed and received about two dozen votes each. One seat remains vacant for now. Tribal Administrator Chad Wright says compared to previous election cycles, turnout this year was typical. Uh, we had a total of 27 votes, so 22 of those were in person. Then we received five absentee ballots as well. Uh, I think the percentage was 10.3% of eligible tribal members voted. Looking back before my arrival here at Petersburg Indian Association, that seems to be an average turnout for an uncontested race. I certainly hope to increase voter turnout, and I plan to explore ideas to increase participation for the next election. Tribal members voted on January 9th. A panel of four election judges certified the results on January 17th. Members are encouraged to submit a letter of interest to fill the third council seat. Wright says ultimately it's up to the council whether or not to accept those letters of interest. With no House Speaker to take the reins of power, the state legislatures started out the week at half, last week at half strength. But after a Republican majority coalition elected Representative Kathy Tilton as Speaker on Wednesday, House leadership positions fell quickly into place. Power in the House Finance Committee will be shared by three co-chairs, Delina Johnson of Palmer, Bryce Edgman of Dillingham, and Gnomes Neil Foster. Johnson will oversee the operating budget, while Edgman and Foster will manage the capital budget. The two rural lawmakers joined the majority last week, which was made up of 19 Republicans, two Democrats, and two Independents. Edgman is one of the Independents and Foster a Democrat. Both have aligned with majority coalitions in the past to secure key committee assignments. Anchorage Representative Tom McKay is chair of the Natural Resources Committee. Sarah Vance of Homer will run the Judiciary Committee. Anchorage Republican Craig Johnson heads up the Powerful Rules Committee. Powerful because it can keep bills from getting to the House floor for a vote. Of all the lawmakers in the House, Johnson has the most seniority, although he hasn't served in the legislature since 2016 when he lost his bid to run for the Senate. Republican Dan Sadler of Eagle River, who left his House seat to work for Governor Mike Dunleavy, is returning to serve as House Majority Leader. The two majority whips are, are George Rauscher, a Sutton Republican, and Josiah Putkatuk, an independent who represents the North Slope. In the minority, Anchorage Representative Calvin Schrage is the minority leader. He's listed as an unaffiliated lawmaker. The minority whip is Zach Fields, a Democrat. It's been a winter for the record books when it comes to holiday travel. Snow, ice, and scheduling issues have snarled flights, stranding passengers for days or weeks. 
Alaska has largely been spared from the airline crisis, aside from the usual weather-related issues that hold up flights from time to time. But in Alaska, the problems are on the water. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, the Alaska Marine Highway System's decision to pull the Matanuska out of service has left some travelers stuck abroad. Mary Lindahl and her husband Jim love to ski in Smithers, British Columbia. In total, I, I figured it out we've done it over 160 round, or 160 trips. So we've been doing it for about 20 years. The Ketchikan couple usually spends two to three weeks at their cabin in Smithers. After all, it's no small feat to get there. It's about four hours of driving through northern B.C. in the middle of the winter, and that's after a seven-hour ferry from Ketchikan to Prince Rupert. But it's always been worth it. All nine of the dolls' grandkids learned to ski in Smithers, plus a half dozen of their Ketchikan friends. This year, Mary Lynn says the dolls planned a longer trip. They'd stay about two months since the marine highway system wasn't running any ferries in January. In order to come down for Christmas to meet with our friends and our family who drives up from Seattle, we had to come down the early part of December, and we couldn't leave until this, until February 7th. Why no ferries in January? The Matanuska, the ferry that runs to Prince Rupert, was in the shipyard getting some work done. During its annual overhaul, crews spotted some concerning issues on the Matanuska. Deputy Transportation Commissioner Catherine Keith said at a recent Marine Highway Operations Board meeting that one problem is crumbling asbestos. There has been always asbestos on board these aging vessels, and we we know it's there. Um, However, when uh, asbestos becomes exposed or is friable, meaning it's in like in the dust, that it is in, in the air, basically, then it becomes a, a health risk. That stopped work immediately. The state, of course, doesn't want welders and pipe fitters breathing in cancer-causing dust. But crumbling asbestos wasn't the worst of what they found. And in addition to that, during the overhaul, uh, there was more discovered steel, which is going to increase the cost of this overhaul significantly, and the amount of time that the vessel would be in overhaul. Keith says repairs to the corroded steel will dramatically increase the cost of the overhaul. And she says the ferry service isn't sure what to do with the 60-year-old ship. We would like to pause on our decisions for capital investments in this project uh, to see what really is the wisest choice right now. Um, This steel work uh, could increase the cost of this overhaul up to 8 or $10 million, and we're still trying to quantify that exactly. That brings up a whole host of issues. The Matanuska has been the primary vessel serving the so-called mainline route through southeast Alaska. Its sister ships, the Taku and Malaspina, are both out of service. One was cut up for scrap, the other sold off as a floating museum. But for a more immediate concern... Ultimately, what these developments mean is that the Matanuska will not be able to be on our summer schedule or the February schedule. The ferry service isn't totally out of options. Keith says the flagship ferry Columbia is coming off the bench to fill in. The Columbia will now be on our schedule and sailing uh, as soon as February 13th. That's just a week after the dolls were originally scheduled to sail home. No problem. They're retired. Anyone who's traveled in Alaska or northern Canada during the winter knows it's a good idea to plan for a bit of a cushion in case of delays. But the Columbia won't be going to Prince Rupert. It's not certified for international travel. And even if it was, it's too big to tie up the Prince Rupert terminal. The other ship with the necessary certification to sail the Prince Rupert, the Kennecott, is scheduled to hit the shipyard in February for maintenance. So, a few days ago, Dahl says she got some bad news. The ferry service called us and said that our, our, our ferry home 
from Prince Rupert to Ketchikan has been canceled, period. And there's no plan to replace it. <laughs> we said, what? <laughs> well, what, well, what are we supposed to do? We're down here and we have a ticket to come home. Sure, they could fly home, but it's awfully hard to fly with a car full of ski stuff and two dogs. Airlines don't exactly take cars as checked baggage. And they said, well, you know, there is no option unless you drive down to Bellingham. And I was, I was a little shocked, to be honest with you. Bellingham, Washington is the southernmost port on the marine highway system. It's also a 13-hour drive from Smithers in the summer. So we are going to drive 700 miles to Bellingham um, from here in Smithers, where we're now. And then we have to get on the ferry a week later and go another 750 miles the other direction to get back to Ketchikan, which is kind of crazy. The State Department of Transportation did not return interview requests or answer written questions before the story was first published. But a day after, spokesperson Shannon McCarthy provided a written statement. Close to 40 passengers and 20 vehicles had their tickets refunded or rebooked as a result of the Prince Rupert cancellations, according to McCarthy. Those reservations were spread over three sailings in February, March, and April. McCarthy says the ferry service doesn't reimburse for gas or lodging, and she confirmed that there are no plans to send a state ferry or private vessel to Prince Rupert to fill in for the Matanuska. So Mary Lynn and her husband are on their own. It's really irritating. I know that these boats are old and I know they need maintenance, but that should be expected and planned. And, and because you've sold the tickets already, unless the boat is imminently going to sink, I think you should pick those people up and bring them home and then, you know, not, not proceed to keep running the boat. And plan a little bit better. And she has some ideas. She says she'd like to see the ferry system upgrade more ships to handle the Prince Rupert route. And she says the Alaska legislature should find a way to insulate the Marine Highway's budget from shifting political winds. But for now, she's planning for a long, cold drive south. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Later this month, over 2,100 athletes, coaches, and staff will gather for the Arctic Winter Games. The international sports competition for northern athletes happens every other year, with Alaskans representing the United States. As Catherine Rose reports from Sitka, a Sitkin will coach this year's gymnastics team. Trisha Bessert learned how to backflip like so many 90s kids on a trampoline in her Wisconsin backyard. My dad bought me a trampoline to get my energy out, so I just started playing around. I had four older brothers that were flipping around all the time, so it was more like a copycat kind of situation. It kind of gives you some bravery when you see your older brothers doing it, and then you just kind of join in on the fun. Bessert grew up watching icons like Shannon Miller, Sean Johnson, Nastia Lukin, and Chelsea Mimmel. At school, she played basketball, but she found herself drawn to the gymnastics team at 13. I already had a lot of skills that I had taught, which just need to be kind of tweaked to actually look nice. Uh, backyard gymnasts tend to don't have the, the finesse when you're self-taught, so learned that pretty quickly. A coach noticed that after I learned a skill, I was pretty good at then teaching. So she started coaching younger students, and by the time she was 15, she was coaching competitive teams. And she kept coaching gymnastics as a side hustle when she was studying at the University of Wisconsin. 
She moved to Sitka a decade ago, and one morning in 2014, she woke up to a bunch of Facebook messages asking if she was interested in starting a local gymnastics program. I had no idea where it was coming from. And as I was looking through the notifications on Facebook, I saw one that I had been tagged in Sitka Chatters. And it was my now husband that said, oh, hey, Trish used to be a gymnast and she's also a gymnastics coach. Maybe she would start something. The people of Sitka kind of took that and ran with it. At first, she agreed to coach a couple of classes, but she ended up quitting her job and coaching gymnastics full time, leading the Sitka Gymnastics Academy for seven years. Though the business didn't survive COVID, coaches across the state thought of her when it was time to nominate someone to lead Alaska's gymnastics team in the Arctic Winter Games, an international sports competition that happens every two years in the Northern Hemisphere. I think the best way to describe it is um, like a mini Olympics at a more amateur level for some Arctic countries. So uh, Canada and then Alaska as the United States representation Greenland, Finland, and Sweden are all a part of this. And there's 20 different sports that are played. Everything from like gymnastics, and I'm pretty sure there's dog sledding and hockey, um, to NYO, which is Native Youth Olympics. Bessert's job as a coach goes beyond her work at the mat. She had to design everything from the leotards and warm-up routines to the composition of the team itself. She selected four gymnasts from across the state to compete. Two are from Anchorage, one is from Fairbanks, and one's from Wasilla, chosen based on both their athletic abilities and their work outside the gym. I was looking, what else do they do outside of gymnastics? Who are they as people, and how does that represent the state? We want to have people that give back to their communities, so their community service and also academics. I have a great team, and I'm really excited. She says she's honored to be chosen and especially to be nominated by the other Alaska gymnastics coaches. Alaska gymnastics is a very, very tight community and a very supportive community. So a lot of sports, you're going to see this, you know, almost this rivalry between different teams. And gymnastics just isn't like that. Of course, you have kids that they you they want to win. They want to take, you know, gold medals home. But all in all, they want other gymnasts to be at their best at every competition. Bessert says gymnastics has stuck with her all these years because of the precision, the dedication, and the grit it builds. She says the skills kids gain from gymnastics help them in all aspects of life. And in case in point, I have some kids that are now on an eighth grade basketball team, and they are dominating all five starters were gymnasts and it's pretty cool because watching them they're fierce and they're confident and they're strong and that's what I love about it is when you do gymnastics it never really leaves you there the lessons that you've learned from it stay with you for the rest of your life. Bessert will be traveling north later this month for the games which are being hosted in Wood Buffalo Alberta Canada. Reporting in Sitka I'm Catherine Rose. For KFSK, I'm Rachel Cassandra.